Okay, we are moving along here. Middle of the week, June 3rd. Happy Wednesday, hump day. I don't know, every day feels like the same day uh, still, but uh, moving upwards and onwards. Football is upon us, and uh, Wiz and I are still preparing. This is Guru and the Wiz. Um, getting ready for a little uh, podcast today. Wiz, how are you? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. I've woken up last night by some thunderstorms, so that was a little uh, disturbing, but otherwise I'm very good. Um, looking forward to this uh, episode. We're going to talk, uh, take a little bit different angle uh, and, and kind of bring in um, some of the gambling aspects, um, how, it also, how it relates to football and fantasy football specifically, and, and some of the things and exercises that we kind of like to do um, during our time because we, we do pay very close attention to lines and win totals and and that's becoming a, a bigger part of the, the the betting world you know kind of these uh, pr- uh prop bets if you will um so you know we're, we're going to start with um just just the the, the relation of kind of what what football lines mean to potential fantasy output in games and i know it's something that you like to look at very closely in fact uh you go so far as uh, as one of our friends that uh sometimes you uh think his opinion uh isn't that good, and uh, you, you really take your cues from that and what you're going to do, e- even as you set, e- whether it's your daily fantasy lineup or your team lineup, you really use that as a, as a barometer for how, how you're going to proceed. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a different world right now in a lot of ways, and, and, he, and one of those ways is the aspect of talking about football lines, gambling on football, I mean... You know, it's just funny. I remember, you know, we were, you know, kind of like growing up watching football, like it was a big deal when Jimmy the Greek would go on there and say, okay, and this is the matchup for next week or the Super Bowl, and he would make a point spread right then and there. Now, you know, you have show after show that talks about point spreads and line and betting and 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 uh, and how it relates, and it's like seems, you know, it's kind of like melted into like one big ball, you know, of NFL fantasy football and the betting aspects of it. Now, you know, if you listen to Al Michaels, he gets in some little zingers and funny stuff about point spreads as the game is going on. Like if there's a field goal uh, kick that puts the game over the point spread, over the total, he'll may say something and like the kick is good. And wow, that was really an overwhelming kick. So he'll get, he'll put some zingers in there about this point spreads. And, you know, even someone is um, heralded as Al Michaels is paying attention and realizes that gambling is a, is a, is a really big aspect of, uh, of football. And it does relate to fantasy football. And uh, I guess we're going to talk about that first, uh, uh, how you might consider gambling lines when it comes to fantasy football decisions and not necessarily for the season, but on a week to week basis, you may look at it. And if you have a running back, a wide receiver or a quarterback decision, you may look at it and want to consider what the under and over is on a particular game. I mean, if there's a game in an East coast in December, uh, that's playing on an, you know, an outdoor stadium, whatever, um, you know, and the total on the game is 41 and a half, 
and you have a receiver in that game, and there's also another game that's being played in a, a cushy dome where the temperature is perfect for all kinds of throwing conditions, and you have a receiver in that game, and the under and over is 57 and a half. You know, you, you, you may want to consider that, and I guess the best phrase for that could be you may want to use that as the tiebreaker. You know, you, you wouldn't want to bench an elite receiver for an average receiver just on conditions, but if the conditions are a big disparity and the players are kind of even in talent, you may want to use that and consider that as a tiebreaker. Would you agree with that, and do you do that? Oh, no, emphatically agree, and, and, and yes, I do that. So as you know, uh, I have my little uh, weather source that I like to go to for, uh, for weekly games, and, and I'm, a big, I'm a big watcher of the wind because the wind definitely a pass, affects the passing game. Certainly, uh, deluge, if you get a deluge in a game, that, that, seem, that can be very problematic. But I think, I think you make a very great point, and, and, I, and I think it is really interesting to me that when, when I watch some people prognosticate their weekly uh, fantasy lists on what they think output is going to be, there seems to be almost like a preconditioned uh, listing where the elite players, no matter what's going on, actually still get listed, you know, as a top 10 performer that week. And I think, especially as you get late in the season, you have to be particularly careful. I think sometimes you're prone to that um, in Florida early in the season. Uh, when hurricane season is going on, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll have some very wet games then. So, so yeah, I, I adhere, I, I definitely adhere to that. And I think it's extremely important for you to kind of make those decisions as you go along, not just in an, in an automatic fashion. Yeah, and, and in the same way that you may want to pick a receiver in a game where the conditions are perfect, the dome, warm weather, versus another receiver who, you know, is kind of like even in ability and where you think they may score that po- that week in fantasy points and that player is playing an outdoor cold stadium, it may be the opposite for how you would decide which defense you may start. So if you have a defense and it's just one of those days where it's just gusting wind and the teams are going to have just difficulty throwing the ball down the field versus a better defense that you may have that are, that is playing in, again, good conditions, that's another case, I think, where you may want to really consider the conditions of the game the point spread, the under and over, how many games, how many points are predicted in the game. And I think that could be another interesting way of looking at who you should start and just using that phrase again, tiebreaker. So the opposite for receivers, the guy to start someone in, in optimum conditions, you also look at the defenses and maybe want to get a start a defense that you feel the conditions are a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and I think last year I, w- I was faced with that where I think I think the Jets, Jets and the Bengals were playing one another, and I, I think I had the Jets defense as one of my defenses, and I, I had – I had the San Fran defense, who was an elite defense last year, and I did not play them, even though I think that week they might have been playing Seattle or something like that, and I stayed away from the elite defense and actually went with the the, the worst-ranked defense against the worst team, and I think that day they were actually playing in worse conditions. So, so yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think another thing that's kind of interesting, and I don't know if you do this as well, 
I really like to see a game, and you know, look, the NFL is is an entertainment product, and we know they go out of their way that four o'clock, four fifteen, four thirty matchup when they have two elite teams going against one another. You know, so those are the type of games where, like, even though you may have great players on on one team, and maybe they're playing a, a, a definitely worse opponent. When you have two elite teams meeting one another, I feel that's conducive to a much bigger scoring output because teams take their foot off the accelerator when they're in a lopsided matchup. The defense may be scoring. They may get out to a big lead. So does that kind of affect your thinking as well? Because for me, I really like when two elite teams are going against one another. Do you agree with that statement or you think that's something that maybe is a little bit overhyped? I think for the most part, that's probably true. Um, sometimes teams can get a little bit cautious or, or play a little conservative in that type of game. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're getting two you know, quality teams and you're not going to worry about one of the teams getting off to a big lead and, and then going conservative and you just think it's going to be competitive where both teams are going to be offensively, um, you know, equipped to keep going back and forth that 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 certainly you know i would agree with that also you probably want to avoid you know defenses where you know you're going up against you know as this relates to point spreads right so i think you probably want to avoid like a defense that's not only going up against like an elite offense but they're kind of like a 13 or 14 point underdog and you don't feel there's a good chance that they're going to be able to like be in controlling position in the game so i know we talked we touched a little bit about unders and overs but how about like if you have like an overwhelming underdog against a team that has like a, a fairly elite offense and uh, you're worried about like you know quite frankly having to throw the ball all the time and coming from behind and worrying about giving the other team good field position and and just you know never being in a position to control the game from a defensive standpoint uh, do, you, do you look at that as well when it comes to like big underdogs yeah, I think so because I think I think that kind of affects running backs a lot because if you have a, a, an elite running back that's on kind of a subpar team and they're having they're going into a very difficult matchup, the chances of that player now again ball control is a big part of it, but you know you're kind of thinking it's almost like the th- the thought process when you're playing blackjack when 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 you think that the dealer always has a, a face card underneath, right? You're you're just going to assume that that team is going to be in control of the game, so. You know, if the Saints are playing, uh, whatever, let's let's use the Saints against the Redskins, for example. You know, you're you're under the impression at that point in time, and it's in New and it's in New Orleans where it's a very difficult place to play. The chances that the Washington running back uh, core is going to have any significant uh, impact on the game is pretty low. They may try to attempt to control the clock early on, but it's probably going to be a pretty fuel effort. So yeah, I, I definitely think about that as well. And how about like we, we talked about we talked about on a week to week basis unders and overs point spreads but you know the one thing that could be considered as far as like your draft and how you may take this in consideration what about when you're viewing two running backs let's just use running backs as the example where one may even be better than the other player but because of the other players 
situation, uh, you know, you, you value it differently. So let's 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 use some specifics here as an example. Let's uh, let's take a, a running back on an elite team. Let's take like Mark Ingram, for example, on the Ravens. Um, and you know that they're going to be he's going to be running on a good team. You know that more than likely most of the games the Ravens are going to, that are going to be played this year, they are going to be in a controlling position or certainly not in a position where they're going to have to throw and get away from the running game. So does that come into your factoring before your fantasy draft when you're considering two running backs of equal ability or maybe even the guy on the team that is not as good but is is your concern that he's not going to be in a position to get 18 20 22 carries so how would you cons- you know how does that way into consideration before your fantasy draft when you're comparing two running backs of kind of equal ability and one is on a team that figures to be in more of a controlling position on a week-to-week basis versus another running back whose team is not going to be. Does it, and how much does that weigh into consideration? Yeah, it, it weighs a bit into consideration. I'll use the example. You, you know, you mentioned Ingram, and I actually ended up in this situation last year. It happened to be in a snake draft. Um, but Joe Mixon was rated pretty high, not as good a team. And Mixon was the player that we chose first um, at the running back position. And we were able on the way back uh, to get Mark Ingram. Now, we were very surprised that he was still available. Um, now, again, you can equate this to, a, to an auction league, too. And I think if we went into the season this year looking at our preseason rankings – we know Joe Mixon also has a lot less uh, competition for touches uh, as opposed to Mark, Mark Ingram. But Mark Ingram's offense is a lot more potent, to your point. And, and he's going to be the guy most likely carrying it around the goal line. He double-digit touchdowns last year. So, yeah, I, I, w- I would consider that most definitely I would consider that as a factor. You know, the, the differentiation between those two players this year might not be as great because you could have bigger expectations for Cincinnati after what they've done and players returning. But I think that's something that you do need to look at. Yeah, I think you need to look at it. But I mean, you know, it also depends on the skill set of the running back. So, you know, if you are an owner of Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, the score of the game is irrelevant, really, because, um, you know, aside from they maybe the only deterrent is that they're not going to have a lot of time of possession. But you're talking about two guys who, on any given Sunday, can catch seven to twelve passes a game. And if you're playing in a PPR league, which is point per reception, uh, they're going to roll up the stats anyhow. So I guess it's a combination of the type of skill set the running back has uh, combined with the type of situation the team may be in. And like an example of a player who I don't think lived up to his full ability and full potential based on his skill set, the way he was used, and the way the team played was Montgomery of the Bears. And I I think that is a a perfect example of how it can all go bad when, you know, you have a player whose ability – is not is not utilized in the right way, and it, it was based on a lot of factors. And uh, you know, when something like that happens, 
do you take a second look and maybe pause on a player like that for the following year worrying about like a similar thing happening? Well, you take that example, and hopefully Matt Nagy goes back. Hopefully he's been sitting back this whole uh, postseason and looking at game films and watching his play calling and how lousy it was and watching for the lack of utilization of the player. So hopefully he realized – because – we both liked Montgomery last year, and we thought the way he was used was just terrible. And I think in, in the case of the Bears, you know, this is a team fighting. Uh, guys are going to be fighting for jobs. Uh, that's on the coaching side. And, and I think this is going to be a very important season. So to know that you have a commodity like that and you've, and you've misused him, and granted they didn't get good quarterback play last year, which all of that trickled down to – an elite defense being being desensitized because they were behind most of the time and on the field too much. So there's a trickle-down effect on all of this. So hopefully they're looking at that. But, no, that's not going to sway me because I w- I'd like to think that this year the same mistakes don't get made. Well, also I think part of it was the play calling and part of it was Trubisky who just couldn't convert plays and first downs and plays he should have made. And now you kind of possibly think with Nick Foles that they are going to convert some of those plays, first downs, time of possession, and, and, and the result of that will be Montgomery being on the field more and getting more touches. So it also you know, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the player himself. It could be the play calling, the coaching, and the surrounding talent. And that's just all the things that you have to take into consideration before you, you know, draft a player. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So we wanted to also talk about, uh, you know, just some gambling aspects of uh, this. And one fun thing to look at for season content is the under and over on wins to each team. Um, and then, you know, maybe maybe taking a few stabs on on some teams. And I know that you've looked at it. I've looked at it as well. Um, was there anything out there uh, with the unders and overs on teams' wins that you said, yep, uh, you know, this, this is something I can't pass up or, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a few shekels on this. What, what was your uh, thought process when you, when you looked at the under and over on team wins this year? Yeah, so so it's, it's, it's really fascinating. As you talked about in the beginning, uh, this is a different world that we're looking at. You know, daily fantasy has become a big thing. Uh, there are only six states currently where you're allowed to mobile gamble, and, and I think that's going to go up immeasurably over the next few years, uh, especially given the shortage in budgets that states are going to have. So we're talking to a younger generation that's kind of embracing this online gambling, and it's, it's culturally it's done very, very uh, expansively in places like the UK and Australia, and I think it's coming to our shores. So, so I, I was looking just, uh, I went on to the draft, uh, the, the sports book on, uh, on, on DraftKings and took a look at the over-unders and the lines that they have on that to start the year. And, uh, and we, I've done this exercise before. I think even we've done an exercise, you and I, where we'll go with a blank slate and, and you'll ask me win totals and I'll ask you some teams and, and we kind of try to pick where that number is going to be. But I, I took it upon myself to look at these. And, and yeah, there was a couple that really stood out. And I think there's a number of factors that you have to look at. You know, certainly this year, I think things are going to be impacted a little bit more with the lack of a, a spring uh, and normal training program that you have. So I think coaching staffs that are in place already have a, have a distinct advantage this year. And I think the other thing, you know, that I always look at is what I deem to be a strength of schedule of a particular team. So I think taking those uh, – 
two things into account. You know, the, the, the one place that my eyes went to very quickly, and I realized, you know, there's one injury away from changing that. But, you know, I look at a line like the Ravens and, and currently in draft, on draft book, it's 11. And I look at a line like that, and they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. I don't know how they've actually pulled that off this year. Uh, but that's, that's the way it's listed based on the schedule of, of their opponents. Uh, sorry, the record of their opponents last year. Now, a lot of the opponents could be better, but when I look at something like that, and, and this is a team that's built to win, they've made improvements through the draft and free agent signings, I look at that 11 total, and granted, I would not like to see Lamar Jackson get hurt, but I think that's a bet that, like, right off the bat, that's one that stares at me and says that's an over. You know, I'm looking at that, and I'm just looking this morning at it, and actually, uh, and one of the sites I'm looking at, like, I don't know if you could get in at 11, but it's actually uh, 11 and a half, and uh, yeah, it's like you got to lay 115 to 100 on either side of that, so it's moved to 11 and a half, and 11 and 11 and a half is a, is a big disparity, meaning that, you know, at least if they win 11 games, you would push the bet, break even, get your money back if they won 11 games at 11 and a half, uh, you have have to win 12 games to win that bet. If somebody was to look at the Ravens and the Lions, we'd have moved away to 11 and a half. Would you still recommend? Yeah, I, 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 w- I would still recommend. I think this is a team that's going to win 13 or 14 games coming up this year. So, uh, hey, then, yeah, then, then, then that one. The, the one that stood out to me, the one that I am definitely going to take a big swing at this year. Um, and I talked about this with you probably a month ago uh, when I looked originally on the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are, uh, right now, I see line of nine under and over on wins for them. And um, to me, I think their roster is average. I think it's, you know, okay. I know that they've had a lot of success, but... You know, it's it's there are things happening in that NFC West. Um, you know, I think the the Forty Niners are kind of the cream of the crop. Arizona is certainly improving. I know you you like their young players and their quarterback and and feel the same way. The Rams are still good. I think the Rams are kind of like getting overlooked a little bit this year. I thought they were overhyped going into last year, and I think they're kind of underrated this year. But when I look at the Seahawks. I see a roster that is just okay, and the reason that I really am going to bet the under um, is this is a team whose home field advantage has been just the most dominant thing in the NFL for years. And it's it's almost 100% that they are going to play this season without fans in the stadium. And I think the Seahawks with that average roster without that home field advantage with the other opposing quarterback can't change plays. The offensive line gets off slow. It allows that pass rush to get to the quarterback. I think I love that under, um, I, I I just you know I I can't imagine the Seahawks winning ten games without having that incredible home field advantage and uh, you know once it, once I see that for sure that there's not going to be full attendance at these games I I'm going to make a substantial bet on the under uh, if the Seahawks without fans in the stadium win ten games. That's fine. I lose. But I just don't see it happening. I think the roster is just okay. The division's getting better. 
both of their running backs, you know, are coming off gruesome injuries. Not you know, Carson, not not as much as Penny, but Carson as well. They signed Hyde. I, I just think that this is a great underbet. Uh, do you have any view either way on the Seahawks? Uh, I actually had them as one of my un- underpicks as well. I think I, I'm just a believer in that division being one of the better divisions in football. Um, all, all four teams, I think all of them have a shot, depending on how things um, shake out at winning that division. Uh, and I think there's a lot of competition there. So I, I would I would definitely agree with that. And and your point on you've made the point about the schedule, which I think is extremely pertinent. Yeah. I, so let's go on. I know you uh, have some other ones. Give us your what's in the Goose top top under and over wages. We started off with the Ravens. Now I know you you said you love them to you know based on schedule. Is that your top recommendation this year? That, Ravens over. No, that's not my top. My top is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. That's my top, and I'm going to give you a few different reasons. I love. Right. I don't even know if you. I don't even know if you're going under or over. But I'm going over. Over on the Las Vegas Raiders at six and a half. It's a returning coaching staff. It's a returning roster. They didn't add a, a. They didn't. They added a lot on defense actually through free agency. I like what they did in the draft. Although Henry Ruggs has to stay away from uh, moving furniture for a while, but um, I, I like the Raiders at over six and a half. That's uh, <laughs> one of my favorites uh, there. I would say I'm going to go, I don't know. I don't trust this team at nine and a half. I really don't. Um, and I think the division will be a little bit better. Even though the Eagles pulled off some miracles last year, the Eagles at nine and a half. I like the under on the Eagles at nine and a half. And then I'd add one more, the Bills at eight and a half. That's where it currently stands. I think the Bills are hands down the best team in that division this year. I see that Bills being a 10 or 11 win team. They are better on both sides of the ball. Uh, so those would be my kind of top three or four, and I mentioned the Ravens, my top well, three well, or four. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the, each one in a second here, but can I ask you where, where are you seeing these lines? Because I'm looking at, you know, one of these sites in Vegas that is pretty on top of this stuff, and they got the Raiders at seven and a half. Uh, are you saying Draft Queen, Draft Kings is quoting the line at six and a half? That's what I'm telling you. I wrote all these down. The Raiders are at six and a half. The Bills are at eight and a half. So on draft, on draft kings. kings. Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. Because you know, it's 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 once in a while, and you know, I guess I guess not once in a while. I guess you know, a decent amount of times you'll see a half a game difference between sites eight, eight and a half, six and a half, seven, five, five and a half. But to see a full game difference, because I'm looking at it and they got it kind of got it right. They have it Raiders under and over at seven and a half and the over is a slight favorite at six to five. Uh, so that's a pretty big disparity. So you may want to, you may want to, after this podcast ends, go over there and do something on the over six and a half. Cause I'm, it, I'm, it I'm logging in now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You may want to do that because these things trying to like change and, uh, you know, maybe DraftKings isn't really like equipped or they're on top of the stuff. And Vegas usually gets the money quickly because uh, everyone could bet on, the, you know, with Vegas, unlike DraftKings is limited to some states. Um, so how about some reasons uh, here? The, the bills you love the over. Um well, I, let's go with those two. I know you think the Bills are ready to win that division, and you love the Raiders. Let's hear the reasons for both overs there. Okay, so so uh, you know, again, let's let's. 
Ruggs is there, and we may not agree that he was the, the, the right choice at that point in time, but, you know, they've added some speed on defense. I, I like I, – look, Jacobs was hurt last year and in a, in a shortened amount of work, and he played hurt a lot. He still had 1,100 yards, and he was not utilized in the passing game. I think that changes this year. Um, I think there's confidence in Carr. We know Darren Waller was a big, was a big, big step up last year. I think if Ruggs is able to kind of open the field, it opens, it opens things up for both Waller and and uh, and Jacobs to do damage. And I really like their their defense. There's young players on that defense that are very, very solid. And I think John Gruden is, is a winner. That's what I have to say. So I, I like all of those things that are going on there, and the the the. the the hype around that new stadium where I think late in the seat, I think they have four primetime games at home. Now, certainly there's going to – now, I would also argue this is a fan story too because we know that Las Vegas would have been a real destination this year for opposing teams to go visit. But that new stadium looks pretty dynamite. I think they're going to be all fired up to be playing in Las Vegas this year. That's uh, So I like that for those reasons. And, and, on, the, and on the Bills, look – They've added Diggs. They, I think Josh Allen makes the next step up. They've got some good offensive players. I like the running back core there. I like everything that's going on in a progression format on the offense. And this is an elite defense. It was an elite defense last year. We'll see how much time Ed Oliver is suspended for for his uh, off-the-field shenanigans uh, recently. But, uh, you know, again, with the Patriots being worse – and, yeah, the Dolphins are better and the Jets are okay, but this is a division that's ripe for the taking, and I think the Bills are the team that's going to do that. So let me, let me, before I get to the ones that I, that I enjoy uh, in terms of unders and overs and my picks, would you say your Bills pick, give me, give me a breakdown of, of is it you're high on the Bills, you're down on the Patriots, or a combination of the two? It's a combination of the two. Okay. Uh, and do you fear or are concerned about either of the other two teams? Miami, you know, it looks good. Young picks, they're playing hard at the end of the year. The Jets played with a lot of injuries. There's a lot of, you know, talk that Sam Donald is going to, you know, really step his game up. Any consideration or concern about those two teams, or do you feel like it's still Bill's Pats this year? So I think it's a competitive division, to your point. But I think that Bill defense is is the best defense in that division, and that's going to be the differentiating factor. Excellent. All right, so I'm going to give you a few of my picks, and then I'll, I'll go one by one, and you could give me your view, whether you agree, you kind of like the other way, or you know, indifferent, no, no pick. I like San Fran under 10 and a half. Um, few reasons why. One, I feel – all of the teams in the divisions are at least competent, good enough to win at home against the 49ers. Um, number two, a team that loses a Super Bowl, especially in kind of the manner that they did in history, it just proves that this, it just shows that there's a little bit of a hangover the next year. I think they're talented. I thought they had it working all to perfection last year. I don't think they could repeat that so uh, you know with all of those things given I still think the 49ers are going to make the playoffs I just don't see it in a dominating fashion and I'll take my chances that they don't win 11 games thoughts 
Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And again, I think it goes back to that division, which I think you feel a little bit that the Rams are probably undervalued. And, you know, I, I feel very strongly about what the, what the uh, Arizona Cardinals are doing. So, so I definitely understand it. As far as the hangover, if we look at what happened for the last two teams that lost the Super Bowl, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, and that's the Falcons and the Rams. And both of those yeah, teams. Yeah, I just think yeah. like 10 yeah. and a half is a big number. It's a big number. That's another one. They win 11 games. I tip my hat to them. I move on. I lose that wager. But I like <clears throat> 49ers under quite a bit. And um, and Seahawks under nine. The uh, next one is just an under. And it's based on two things. I like, I like Green Bay under nine. Two things. One is I think they were living a lie last year. Um, you know, things went, things went, you know, they just had a great season. Uh, things happened to other teams, Matt Stafford in the division, Trubisky was terrible. I'm not sure those teams are going to be as incompetent as they were last year. The Vikings are still strong. And I just feel, I just can envision a big deal working with the Packers. They get off poorly and the Rodgers thing, and the Jordan love, and kind of revisiting the days of Brett Favre with Aaron Rodgers ready to step in. And I just have this feeling that Aaron Rodgers will be quarterbacking a different team next year, and it's going to go all wrong for Green Bay. Any thoughts either way on that? Yeah, I know you felt strongly about that uh, from the get-go. I know they're talking about contract extensions for Aaron Jones. Uh, we know they didn't make a lot of improvements with their receivers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is, is, is definitely a player that's going to be under intense scrutiny this year. Uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in your corner on this one. I, I think they're priced correctly. But the upside is going to be a lot harder to achieve. I also think the teams in that division, I, I think Minnesota is going to be a more interesting team this year. I even think I even think Chicago has a chance to be better, and yeah. I and I definitely think the chance that Detroit is a better team this year. So so yeah, and then uh, and then a couple of quick uh, overs that I like. Um, I like the Rams over. I thought they were overvalued going into last season. I feel they're undervalued at eight and a half. I, I, I like them slightly to win nine games or more. Uh, the Bengals, I like over five and a half. I think they're going to get, um, you know, uh, some excitement there with Burrow. They made some good free agent pickups as well uh, on the defensive side. So I kind of like the Rams over as being undervalued. The Bengals at over five and a half. I think is a is is a fair one as well. You have any view on either one of those? I know you're not particularly high on the Rams at all. No, no, I'm not. But but uh, you know maybe the mindset is a lot different. I, I'm actually I think the Rams and the Browns are very similar coming into this season. A lot of expectations for both of those teams are very high, and they're more subdued this year. I didn't mention the Browns, but I think both teams have a chance to to outperform where they're slated. I think the Cleveland's around the same level as the Rams actually and wins this year. So I think those are two kind of similar teams. So I'm not gonna. And I thought the Rams at the end of last season, even though I didn't like the way Cooper Cup was being used. I thought their offensive line started to play better, as you alluded to in, in, in some previous episodes, the two tight ends on the field a bit more, you know, playing a different style of football, and, you know, they still have a good receiving core, and, you know, one of those running backs is going to figure out how to get things done. So, yeah, I understand it. I'm not, yeah, look, I, I, would like to, I would like to see Jared Goff play a lot better. Uh, and, and, and if he can do that, you know, and, and you know, I, I was talking to you before we came on, you know, the, 
the Rams ended up being the most blitzed team uh, in the NFL last year. And I think Goff, while he didn't get sacked a ton, he, his throws under duress were were very challenged. And I think he struggled, you know, when he had to get out of the pocket. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and on Cincinnati, there's going to be a lot of excitement about, about, about a local boy leading the team. A.J. Green comes back even at 75%. That'll help. Tyler Boyd's a good player. You know, we've talked about Mixon. Mixon had a great second half of the year. You know, they, they actually get two number one picks this year because their offensive lineman from last year, Jonah Williams, is back. So, yeah, I can buy into that. I can definitely buy into that. It's an interesting and uh, you know, I'm just going to make one last one, and it's not based on any any view that I have. I'm going with a contraindicator pick. You know, when somebody you know that is a complete disaster with talking and analyzing football makes a pick. Sometimes it's just fun and a good idea to go opposite. So last year, Mike Greenberg predicted that the Chicago Bears were going to win the Super Bowl, and I think they went two and twenty-eight. <laughs> and this year, his forecast is the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. So I immediately have wagered uh, on the Tampa Bay under nine and a half. It's not because I personally feel that they're going to be terrible or I love them to go under nine and a half wins. The only reason that I'm going under nine and a half is because that Mike Greenberg is to analyzing football what Danny DeVito is to pole vaulting. And <laughs> that's... That's that's how I see it. Sometimes you don't have to have a strong opinion on something. You just know who has a terrible opinion and go opposite that. And uh, that's how I'm seeing it. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to add about uh, the unders and overs um, for this upcoming season? No, nah, you know, look, it's a fun exercise. And, you know, I, I think depending on kind of our audience and, and where it goes, I know you and I love to look at lines during the season too. So, you know, we've kind of toyed a, a, around a little bit with the notion that we may do that. But these fun little games and exercises is something that we like to bring bring into things. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. I, I like it. And, and, and you know, look – there's a market for everything, right? There's an opinion for everything, and that, that's what this is about. And it's going to be the same thing when you sit down at your fantasy draft this year and uh, you're trying to decide on players. And uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's what I would say. Absolutely. And uh, listen, if you have any podcast segments, things that you want to hear or us to talk about, uh, email us at guru and whiz at gmail.com. And also, if you have any strong views on unders and overs, we'll mention that as well in, uh, in one of these podcasts. And, uh, you know, give us maybe a pick on an under and over you have uh, on season totals for for uh, the nfl team and what the reason is and uh we'll, we'll mention that as well so uh fantastic stuff and uh we'll uh, we'll we'll be back soon i guess with uh, another podcast as well onwards and upwards thanks a lot was be good you as well